We preached this morning about being devoted, about being persistent, about being, uh, uh, what's some other words that I used this morning? Uh, committing ourselves to living for Christ. So in saying that, I want to see more devotion, amen? Because we got about six, seven, eight, nine people in the room tonight, which is not bad because that's still over what? They said, if you got two or three in my name, there I am also, right? So we're already over that. But we'd love it if you guys were here, amen? Amen. Okay, we'd love it if they were here, amen? Amen. amen. Okay, okay. I just want to make sure everybody heard me on that one. All right. Now we're going to get to the message. How many are ready? Say amen. amen. All right. Well, first I want to talk about how the church nowadays has got their eyes fixed solely on this world. We have become so earthly minded that we're not even worried about eternity. We've caved into our uh, culture because we have no real expectation of a future to come because we think the gospel was just about right now. That's not what the gospel is about. It was about a coming kingdom, about a hope for now and a hope for the future. Amen? Amen. Our affections are not even supposed to be set on things here below. John says, do not love this world or the things of this world because the, the world and its desires, the lusts and passions thereof are passing away. Amen? Man. But we have got to set our affections on things above. Amen? So this morning, after preaching, I went home and I got in my Bible and I went to Matthew chapter 6. And you can go over there with me. We're going to read a little bit of Matthew chapter 6. I titled this, Our Heavenly Home. Can I get an amen? amen. We have a hope and a future that is not, I repeat, not of this lifetime. We're to live our life now with an expectation of the life to come. Amen? Amen. So let's read a little bit in Matthew 6, and I think I want to start at verse 19. Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourself treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in to steal. But lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I'm going to stop right there because Jesus is teaching right after this about how we are not to be anxious for our life or the things in our life. Amen? Amen. He's teaching us that our eyes 
should not be on this world and that our affections, our desires, the things that we treasure should not be of this world. But so often, and I don't know how many of you have been to plenty, of, I've been to plenty of different kinds of churches and every time, Pastor, will you pray for me about this job? Pastor, will you pray for my, my body? It needs healing. Pastor, will you pray for my finances? Pastor, when, when are we going to start praying about things that matter? Amen. When are we going to be praying for our lost loved ones? When are we going to be praying for the world that's dying and going to hell without Jesus Christ? When will we set our affections on things above? But we're so earthly minded that we, all we can think about is what I'm going to get and what I need and the things that I don't have. Amen? Think about our prayer lives. Is my prayer life all about getting stuff from God rather than coming to God in prayer? supplication understanding the gospel and going to prayer saying God I'm not nearly enough like Jesus as I should be God I'm not nearly as conformed into the image of Christ as I ought to be and God in prayer I need you by your word to conform me by your spirit to transform me by your truth to change me, mold me, and shape me. Every person who is living their life for Christ ought to be going to prayer and saying, God, kill me today. I must decrease. And he must increase. I must die. So that it's no longer I that live but Christ that lives in me and the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Why do we focus on storing up treasure in this earth? Now I want to keep reading this so that you get the fact that I'm not taking this out of context of how Jesus is speaking. Jesus continues, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or, what, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? Is the body uh, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which I and which of you being anxious can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin yet. I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. 
Therefore do not be anxious saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them all. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Therefore do not. Be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, friends, I don't know what this is telling you, but when I read these verses and I think about how I pray and I think about how I go about my life and I think about how I spend my time, it's all in an effort to make sure I have food and clothes. And... Amen? Now, I know it's sinful for a man not to take care of his family. But in the same sense, that same man that's taking care of his family also has to understand that God takes care of him. And my affections, my hope, my trust cannot be in myself. It must be in the living God who loves me and said that he will take care of me. I want you to notice that Jesus says, do not store for yourself treasure here on earth. Notice he didn't say money. He said treasure. For where your treasure is, there's your heart also. So what I treasure, what I love the most, that's the thing that I treasure. That's treasure to me. Do I treasure my job? Do I treasure the things that I own, do I treasure my stuff? Let me turn this on its head. I believe it's Matthew chapter 10. Verse 37. Who loves? Whoever loves Father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whosoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This word treasure do I love anything more than I love Jesus? Do I love anything more than Jesus? Because the point of Christianity is not for me to get stuff and get things and have my best life now. Sorry, Joel Olstein, but my best life now is not good enough because I have a hope and a future life to come. And that's where my hope is set. And I have to have this mindset. So beloved, we are seeing such a great apostasy in Orthodox Christianity where people think that they can believe whatever they want to believe and that 
God is there just to be the genie in the lamp. If they just rub the lamp of prayer and they can get what they want, they just rub that lamp and all the desires of their heart will be met and it doesn't matter that they're going to squander it on their own lust. It doesn't matter that they're praying selfish prayers. All it is about is my best life now. Flip over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Huh. I want to start at the very beginning. Seeing the crowd, he went up onto the mountain, and when he had sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I want to stop right here for just a moment. Do you remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? It says that the rich man in his life had all that he ever needed, was wealthy and had all the food and to spare. But Lazarus sat outside of the gate and begged and was a hungered. But it came time that they had both died and Lazarus went to hell and the rich man, or Lazarus went to heaven and the rich man went to hell. And it says why, he said, because you in your life, when he cried out to Father Abraham across the chasm, he said, because you in your life had plenty and, and went without nothing, you are in this place. And Lazarus in his life had nothing and begged and was a hungered, and now he is being comforted. I want you to take this into this story, into this sermon that Jesus starts here. We call this the Sermon on the Mount. He opened his mouth and taught him, Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the poor, pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice! And be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. Notice how he ends this discourse of the Beatitudes. He says, great is your reward in heaven. We live in a time where people have all kinds of differing eschatology but you can't get away from the fact that Jesus taught that we were going to heaven and we're going to be with him that's absolutely fundamentally true no matter what no matter which end of the spectrum you end up on in eschatology the truth is this there's a resurrection of the dead Jesus Christ is coming back and we will be with him Amen. this is eschatologically true that's a big word Way over my pay grade. 
great is your reward in heaven. John 14. Everyone should know where I'm going with John 14. John chapter 14. Jesus begins teaching. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we do not know the way. We do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Period. End the story. Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And then he says, I'm coming back to receive you unto myself. That where I am, where is he right now? He's on, he, he is seated on the throne, been given all power and all authority, has sat down in his throne with his fathers, what he said. And he's been given the name above every name. Amen. All kingdoms and powers and authorities, all his. I want you to notice the book of Revelation when they, the lamb first comes on the scene. He says, and I looked and behold in the midst, in the midst of the throne. Not around the throne or by the throne. He said, in the midst of the throne, I seen a lamb as it had been slain. The lamb was on the throne, in the throne. He is the temple. In the new Jerusalem, there's no temple because God himself is the temple. There's no light because God himself is the light. There will be no mourning. There will be no crying, no disease, no death in heaven. These are promises. This is the hope that we have. Not for right now, not in this life, because in this life we will have tribulation. But in the life to come, eternally we will be with God. That's our hope. That's our expectation to be where Jesus is. Hebrews chapter 13. I might be a little fired up about this. Hebrews chapter 13. I believe I want to start verse 12. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear uh, therefore let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured for here we have no lasting city but we seek the city that is to come 
Through him, then let us continually offer up sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledges his name and do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Did you catch that in the middle of that? He said, here we have no permanent city, but we're looking for that city which is to come. Amen? Amen. There'll be no light in that city that John saw coming down. For Jesus will be there. His glory will abound. We'll need no light in that city of never-ending days. For the Lamb of God will wipe our sins away. Jesus showed John in Revelation. John said, and I beheld a mountain, a city coming down out of heaven from God. The new Jerusalem. And he described it in great detail. Find it difficult that that is just a metaphor. I find it very difficult that John describing the length and the breadth of this city and what it looks like and what each gate looked like and what the streets look like and what everything looked like. But somehow it's just allegory. No, I choose to believe what the disciple believed. That we don't have a permanent city right now. But we're looking for that city that's coming. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3. Remember, Peter is one of the great apostles that walked with Christ from the very beginning. 1 Peter, no, 2 Peter, excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 3. Huh. Starting at verse 11, since all things are thus being dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the day of the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set afire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will be melted as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Irregardless of your eschatology, there will be a new heaven, whether you believe God's going to destroy these heavens completely or it's going to be just like the born-again experience because there, there's a thought in eschatology that the, the heavens and earth are just reborn. Are, are you born again? The Bible says that if you're born again, you're a new creature, right? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become brand new. I don't have a problem. Either way, the reality is we're going to be in a new heaven, a new earth, a new city, a new Jerusalem where Christ is. And they call that place heaven. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5. 
I did not come here tonight to do anything but to encourage you that one day we will be with Christ. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing for our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we always, uh, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we, were, we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one will receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Wow. Do you see that? He said, whether we're at home or away. Where are we at when we're away? We're with God. We're in heaven. Eternally in the heavens. I love that. Verse 1, he says, this tent, we are looking for a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. Are you longing for that day? Philippians chapter 3. I only got a few more. Somebody said amen. I only got a few more. Philippians, just before Colossians, chapter 3, verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven. From it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. By the power that enables him even to subject all things unto himself. You see that? Our citizenship isn't even of this world. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him, heaven is my home. This earth is not my home. First Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Ooh, I like this one. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion of Pontius, Galatius, Cappadocia, Asia, 
Bithynia according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with his blood. That's a big long sentence right there that just cries out God's sovereignty and electing power. He said, may grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Now watch this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he hath caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed at the last times in this you rejoice though not though now for a little while if necessary you are being grieved by various trials so that the testing that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perhaps though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ though you have not seen him you love him though you do not now see him you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicated when he predicted the suffering of Christ and subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. Are you seeing this? The hope that we have in salvation is to be with God. The hope that we have is not for this earth, but we look for that inheritance that's kept in heaven for us. Amen? All right, I'm almost done. Colossians chapter 3. This is my last set of verses. Colossians chapter 3. <laughs> if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above and on things, not on things up that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then also will you appear with him in glory. Wow! Why is the church so focused on our life down here? We should be preaching the gospel like madmen. We should be awake day and night praying for the lost. We should be 
seeking to share the gospel message because we know that our time on this earth is limited and one day we will close our eyes in death and open them in eternity and we will be with him. Church, it's time that we live like this. It's time that we have this hope, this expectation, this longing inside of us to live like there ain't tomorrow. To live like tomorrow I'm going home to meet my Lord. Amen. You want to know why people don't live like that? Because they don't read this enough to know that my hope is supposed to be set for a future life and not this life. Matter of fact, you turn on the TV and all you hear is preachers preaching about how this life, God wants to bless you in this life and give you this in this life. And this life is where, no. The only thing that I want to do in this life is die to myself, live for Christ, proclaim the gospel, see other people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and proclaim the truth of the gospel. That's my whole goal. And if I can do that raising a family and showing them how much I love God and showing them how much I want to live for God and having them do the same thing, it's going to be great. A week ago, was it a week ago when Das asked you to start teaching that class. A week ago, my 12-year-old daughter has a daily devotional book and said, Mom, can I start teaching this in our children's church class? 12 years old. And she wants to see the little children know about Jesus. How awesome is that? Let's stand. Father God, I thank you and praise you, Lord, for those who are here tonight. Lord, I thank you for those that will hear this message on Facebook, who watch the video, or who listen to this on SoundCloud. I want to pray for all of them, God, that they would set their affections on things above and not on things of this earth, that they would store for themselves up treasure in heaven and not treasure here on earth lord that we would burn so brightly and so boldly for jesus christ that we wouldn't have time for this life but that we would have only eternity in our sight that we would live with an expectation and readiness to meet jesus at any moment help us to have that desire burden us with that desire Kindle that fire in our heart, God. That's my prayer. Conform us, mold us, and shape us into the image of Christ. That you would receive all the glory and all the honor. I don't care if the name Kevin O'Connor ever gets remembered. But when they talk about me, they say, he really, really spoke about Jesus. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.